Santa Jawalski, what's up? I am here for everyone who's unfortunately not watching this on YouTube. Uh, I have a Santa hat on. I'm I'm ready for the season. I listened to a little Christmas music today, so that's a big step in the right direction. Did you get everything you wanted for Christmas? I don't know because we're recording this prior to Christmas being released. You're running the illusion of radio. <laughs> yes, I got everything I wanted. You know, it's funny. Every single year, every single year since high school, my parents ask me what I want for Christmas. And every single year I respond with, I want uh, a bass boat, a truck, and a motorcycle. You, every you, single year. Are your parents in never, Arkansas? They never give it to me. <laughs> what the, the hell? Arkansas starter kit. Yeah, it is. It, <laughs> it should come with a mullet and a four-wheeler and some sort of pass to go mudding. I don't know. Like That's Dude, quite the gift array you're looking for out of that group. Yeah, it's bull. I haven't gotten any of it, but... I don't, I don't know what to do with that Santa hat. I feel like I need a picture of you wearing it. There we go. That's that's weird. It's just weird, dude. You're in the spirit though. And all right, so we're and I freaking look good in it, by the way. You do look good in it, but uh since we've ruined the illusion of radio, we're recording this before Christmas. I don't know what I got yet. I know what I'm getting. I have an assault runner being delivered tomorrow. Sounds horrible. How exciting is that? Well, I've been I've been in assault hell for the last week. And so I yeah, they, they got you wrapped around their finger of, of <sighs> Doom and gloom. Bro, I did a 40-minute assault bike wad today. 40 minutes. Yikes. 40. Yikes. I did GHC sit-ups yesterday because I too got a piece. I got my Christmas present to me at the at the office um was a GHD machine. I decided to go with the robust one, like the really nice one from Rogue. Yeah. It's enormous. Wait, is that the and I have um, like What's it called? Tiny. The Abram or something? Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. I have this like little tiny, you know, gym area in the back. One day you'll have to come visit. And I just don't know. The footprint of this thing is huge. I'm like, what was I thinking? So I'm going to have, I'm going to have the most ripped abs because I have to do it in every workout now. <laughs> well, I, I have a, a GHD that I got from Titan three or four years ago, and it's a total ripoff of the of the rogue, like nice. no ifs, ands, or buts about it, but it was half the price and the thing's great in a home gym when you're the only person using it. It's really great. Yeah. And I love it. Um, but that, um, that GHD is good, dude. It's good. Yeah. I'm excited to it's, you know, it's interesting. Uh, and I know we're going to be talking about some goal stuff today. It's interesting how, Getting sick, like getting the the virus um, and feeling really, really crappy for a couple days, it almost like reset my like thankfulness and also like motivation to like train. Now it's like I'm feeling great. I actually played pickleball today. Like I'm I'm back, you know, and it may it like my motivation to train now is like higher than it was before because I realized how I was taking it to for granted for a little bit. And now I just, yeah, I just want to get after it. So I'm excited to to put in some work, get ready for Wadapalooza so I can look fit and pale. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, dude, you do you, but I'm just telling you, 
Take it easy. Uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine tonight. It's funny. So it's, it's not funny that he has COVID, but this Hilarious. buddy of mine, my training partner or, or guy I've trained with a lot has COVID. And he says to me, he's like, I'm only telling you this, but I'm going to use this as an excuse for the next six months. I'm like, I'd be disappointed if you didn't. I would, <laughs> you know, I mean, I had mine last January. I'm still kind of leaning on it a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I haven't done a full blown like Metcon, but with the amount of running around, I, I played singles today. So that's like a ton of running around. I felt really good. I didn't feel out of breath. Like, so I'm cautiously optimistic, but uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Well, let me tell you about this workout today. Cause I'm going to give a shout out to you can again, our sponsor. They are saving my life, bro. Saving it. Keep. Go- I'm gonna. I'm gonna actually go grab a you can bar, which I've strategically yeah. placed all around the office. Dude, I'll be listening. Go grab one. I'm telling you, they are saving my life. So I knew. I knew what I was getting into. It's a 45 minute workout or 40 minute workout. So it said, and then you pull it up, and it's actually 45. I'm like, all right. Well, you're a liar, assault bike, but fine. And uh, so I knew it was going to be terrible. And it, like, when you just look at it, it really wasn't that bad. It was basically. Um, like a five minute warm up on the bike that was not hard. It was just yeah. a warm up, you know. And then it had two, like six minute EMOMs where you're you're doing dumbbell work. So and it was essentially, you know, I'm not going to break it all down, but it was basically uh, lunges, uh, front rack, dumbbell squats. Uh, you're doing some core work, you know, like some bridge glutes with the dumbbells on your hips. Uh, you're doing some Russian twists, um, and that sort of thing, you know, like, and so I wouldn't describe it, you know, compared to what typical CrossFitters do, I wouldn't describe that piece as, as, um, maybe as challenging, but it was very similar to a CrossFit workout, the way it was structured. And then when you finish those, then there was a 25 minute assault bike ride. And that was not fun, not fun at all. It was, um, it's a long one. It was long. It was uh, basically like the gist of it. It was three rounds. Uh, you do two and a half minutes at 60% of your max RPMs. Then you do two minutes at 70%. And then you do um, a minute at 80%. And you do that three times. All right. And um, yeah, like you get to, you know, and so, you know, you're looking at it's like almost six minutes each time, you know, six minutes each time or so. And you get a little break in between each round, but not enough that it mattered, you know? And so going into that third round, it was just like really mentally challenging. And for me, that's where the you can came in. If I'm being honest, like it's not like some magic pill where you're all of a sudden stronger or faster or, or, um, or, you know, just even better on the bike. But what it does is it, you never crash, you know? And so like, I'm looking at that in this little clock in front of me and I'm looking at it. And I know I've got 10 to 12 more minutes and it's mentally, it's brutal because you know how the assault bike feels, particularly for long periods of time. But at a minimum, I knew I at least had the energy to get through it. It was for me, it was only about would I have the mental fortitude to get through it. And I did like full disclosure. I made it. I survived, but man, it was tough. So go get some, you can, I used the bars today, not the gels that we talked about the other day. Cause I really like the bars. I'm currently um, eating one and it's delicious. They are delicious. They're really good. And you can use our code scale, save 20%, go to youcan.co. They're terrific. Absolutely terrific. I mean, they are a game changer for me. They really are particularly, 
on those long workouts. And, and even more so when I know it's like a sustained endurance workout, which is what that was like, even with a minute break, you still have to do kind of cool downs in that minute where you're still pedaling. And it's, I don't know, it's like going and running three miles, you know, you're just picking a heart rate and sticking with it. And that's where it saves my bacon. It was good stuff. I love bacon. <laughs> we are, who doesn't love bacon, Ben? Now that bar, that bar, it's so delicious. Um, I just have to be, I have this issue where I, when I have protein bars of any sort that are like tasty, it's like immediately it becomes the only thing that I'm going to eat where it's like, hmm, what am I going to get for dinner? Well, I got protein bars and I'll just like, like I'm such a college kid still where it's like, if I have protein bars that taste good, I will eat them. Do I need to eat them? No. Could I have real food? Yes. Will I eat the protein bar? Yes. Always. Every time. So that's why I had to sneak them out of my house and storm here. I was good today. I did uh, prior to that workout uh, for lunch. I did it after lunch. So for lunch, I had, uh, I was like, I don't know, half a cup, maybe three quarters cup of rice, some grilled chicken and green beans tossed together. And then I had a UCAM bar. That was my lunch. Nice. And, uh, you know, I gave myself, actually, I ate the lunch and then I gave myself an hour and then I had the UCAM bar and then I worked out about 30 minutes after that. Nice. And I was good. Plenty of energy. I'm just, I'm just now realizing the reason I was hungry just then is because all I've had today is a is a big smoothie and it's 541 p.m. But sometimes you just forget to eat. Today is one of those days. I'm not a nutritionist or a doctor, Ben, but I would <laughs> I would probably say that if I had to guess, either of I those professions would tell you that's not how you want to recover from COVID. But I, I feel great. I'm not a doctor and I'm not here to give medical it advice. It was a big nutritious smoothie in my new Vitamix. It was great. Well, I want to talk about goals tonight because we talked about goals in our last episode and we got a few uh, DMs that came in and I actually even had some people reach out to me and they said, wow, Ben sounds really smart. And I'm like, he's got you all fooled, but uh, <laughs> I figured we talk about goals again. Regurgitating stuff that I read in a book once. Well, that's how you learn, isn't it? Yeah. Let's uh, do it. Let's talk about goals. All right. So we got, a, we got a few questions here from people. We'll start with one and then... Uh, and go from there. So uh, I like this. So this is from Jeff Ferguson. So Jeff is uh, a regular listener. Random dad. It's his Instagram name. I don't know how you could be a random dad. How can you be a random dad? Like you should, you're either dad or you're not, but you're not, there's nothing random about being a dad. Is there? Hmm. I I could maybe come up with a couple possible scenarios, but we don't want to get into that. All right. Well, Jeff, you need to let us know how you came up with that screen name. But uh, anyway, question on process goals. If I want to RX the double under workout in the open, I know I need to be able to consistently string together 20 plus dubs. My current process is to do 10 minutes of dubs training five times a week. Usually start with penguin taps and progress into rope timing drills and then do dubs in some order of single, single dub, which single dub on a good day. Currently getting better and stringing those together for eight to 10 before I trip have been able to get a, con- a couple successive dubs in, but never more than two. Is it good to keep doing them every day before class or should I be setting aside longer training periods to try and get through the sticking points? Mm, okay. Good, good, good stuff here. So I like, I like the process goal, right? You have the outcome goal in mind, but 
in order to basically take the success, quote unquote, away from just this one single moment of being able to do double unders in one workout that may or may not show up, it will show up in the open. You've detached from that and you focus on a goal, which is, it sounds like to me, the, the specific process goal is practicing for 10 minutes, five times per week before class. Um, when I hear that, it seems, I guess it all depends on how much you're jumping, but if you're a master's athlete, assuming since you're a random dad, um, you are probably doing a lot of jumping. If like, we're talking 10 minutes of actual practice and you're doing that five times a week, that's a lot of, it's a lot of jumping at the end of the week in order to maybe give yourself some rest and to kind of like you already alluded to, like give yourself a little bit more time to break through maybe some sticking points, perhaps expand that or, or, or change it a little bit where it's, it's maybe three times per week for 15 minutes or maybe even three times a week for 20 minutes. Um, but tone down the frequency, like five times a week might be a little bit too much. And then just increase the time just a little bit. That that's just a little suggestion. I feel like I get better. Um, back when I was learning double unders, I felt like slightly longer sessions. Again, we're not talking super long sessions because then you can really burn yourself out from from the amount of jumping volume that you're doing. But slightly longer sessions, and without actually seeing your double unders, my guess is there's probably some variance in the drills that we need to make sure that we're adding in there. Like if you have still hardly been able to string together two and all depending on how long you've been practicing this, that you could be on the right path, or it might be worth trying to find some, um, some different or some unique drills that um, get you through specific sticking points. Cause you might have all the, you might be great at jumping and you might be great at spinning your rope. Maybe your rope is way too short, or maybe you're great at jumping. You have the perfect rope. That's not too fast. It's not too, too slow. Uh, you just don't realize that you only spin one wrist at a time. You know, there's so many different factors that um, for double under specifically, I think the, the, the look from a trained coach like having a trained coach be able to watch and give you some strategic feedback is really, really valuable here. So if you can, you know, my, my one, two punch here is like, is increase the time you're training, decrease the frequency a little bit, make it three times a week, or maybe just two times per week for a little bit longer than you're doing. And then make sure that you get some um, early on in your process, get someone to look like, get someone who knows how to coach double unders to watch you do double unders because you might be making some mistakes that you're never going to fix unless you actually had someone pointed out to you. Like you could be like, I could just pull out a million of them. You could be spinning the rope lopsided. You could be um, landing flat footed. You could be donkey kicking. You could be piking. There's so many different things that a good coach, like a good water prep coach or really any coach for that matter should be able to be like, Oh, here's the fault you're making. Here's a drill you can use to fix it. And then you go off and practice on your own just practicing your own for something as technical and as skilled as a double under sometimes um, it 
it's very difficult to break through those, those kind of like errors that you might be making if no one's been able to point them out to you. You had almost everything I had on my list, Ben. Why haven't you hired me yet? I should be one of your coaches. Dang. Yeah. I need people with new ideas, John. <laughs> not good ones, just new ones. Yeah. Okay. Not, not my perfect good ones, just new ones. No, I'm just right. um, yeah, what, what else you got? I don't know if I had anything wildly different. I mean, you a lot of these you said. I mean, I immediately questioned if you had the right rope. You know, if you're struggling to do it. Like I my first suggestion to most people is get a rope that's slower. Like most mm-hmm. I, I I normally see athletes that go, Well, double unders are fast. So I have to have the fastest rope possible. And that's the farthest thing from the truth when you're learning. Like you actually need a slower rope. You need to learn the rhythm. Like I as a you know, I'm a musician, so um, double unders are, it's very similar to running. You should be doing it with a metrodome and there's a timing to it. And, and double unders have a very specific timing because you got to go under twice, you know? And so I, I often tell people slow them down, get a heavier rope or a different rope, one that won't hurt, but doesn't move as fast as a speed rope does and start practicing that way. You have to get used to the rhythm before you speed it up because you can speed up the rhythm. It's no different than, you know, playing drums or guitar or something, you have to learn the rhythm and then you can speed up that rhythm, but yeah. you can't learn the rhythm at its fastest speed to start. You have to build up your endurance to that even in short bursts. And so that's the first thing I would look at. It's like, do you have the right rope for the, you know, the heaviness of the rope? And you said length of the rope and that's critically important too. So, you know, it could, you know, it could just not be long enough. It's too short or it might be too long. Could be either, yeah. you know, the way, just a quick tip there, um, is the way to know that your rope is at least long enough. It could be too long in this instance, but more often than not, I see people who have ropes that are too short. There is no like proper height holding it against your body because it doesn't take into account how long your arms are and how wide you hold them. So the only way that I can tell if your rope is the right length is can you hear the rope clicking the ground when you attempt your double unders? A lot of people, when they, they'll do singles and you'll hear, you'll hear the rope like tap the ground. It'll be like click, 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 click. And then as soon as they try double unders, nothing. You'll hear it just going through the air, but you won't hear it tapping the ground. If you're not hearing it tap the ground, that means that rope is lifting off the ground. And what is it probably going to do? It's probably going to hit your toes. So if the rope is clicking the ground with every rep, including your double under attempts, that means as long as your feet are on the, in the air, if the rope is clicking the ground, you at least hopefully have some separation there and you have less chance to trip. Um, so that's just a, a quick tip. It, re- again, really helps you get on video and can listen to it. Don't listen for the, for the rope going through the air. You should actually be able to hear it like, like tap, tap. Like it should be tapping the ground. Um, that's really important. And going back to your original point, John, um, don't learn with the fastest rope. The example that I always use, and I love analogies, and I'm probably we've probably used it in this podcast already, is you would never learn how to drive a car by starting with a you know what's your favorite what's your dream car, John? Oh, your Tesla, of course, Ben. Of course, your Tesla. <laughs> Great you know, what was that little Fiat? That little Fiat we were driving in oh, Dallas or in Houston. That's my. You favorite would never car learn to time. drive with like a Lamborghini. Right. And a lot of people want to go out and buy a Lamborghini jump rope because they think that's what they need to do super fast double unders. Like, no, man, you need a you need a freaking Windstar minivan jump rope. That's what you need. (laughs) Slow and reliable. 
Yeah, town and so, country. Get the town and country jump true. ropes. There is a there is a rule of thumb for the length of ropes. Like most of the websites will tell you, it needs to be three feet longer than you are high or you are tall. So if you're six feet tall, which I know no CrossFitters are, but if you happen to be six feet tall, you need a nine foot rope. You know, so just add three feet, and that's the general rule of thumb. But to Ben's point, we all have different length arms, torsos, legs, like all of that. So you you may have to play around with it a little bit, but it's. It's a pretty yeah. good rule of thumb for whatever it's worth. Um, so I like I like the fact. I mean, you definitely have demonstrated your understanding of the process goal. Um, that's a great process goal, and I think even if you stick on the current path you are now, I think like ten, you know, ten minutes a day, five times a week, and you stick to that, kind of regardless of what you do. I mean, we've given you a bunch of tips here, but regardless of what you do, you will be putting yourself in a place to achieve that outcome goal. And, and even if you don't, at least you know that you put in the work to achieve it. And that's like, that's where we need to focus on. Like, that's how you're going to achieve great things is by doing the little things. It's like stacking one brick at a time. And with these process goals, you're just laying the bricks and that's what matters. The other thing I would tell random dad here is don't get so locked up into the, I have to do 15 minutes a day, five times a week, put yourself on a pitching count. For me, you know, jumping is no different than throwing a ball. Like there's only so many times you can do it before you're no longer effective at it. Sure. And yeah. and what's unique about double unders, and you know, I've made a hundred jokes about this, is that some days you can't miss. You just whip those things off like you've been doing it since you were born. And then other days you're slapping yourself in the leg every time you move, right? So on the days that you're feeling great, that's where you're on the pitch count. And what I mean by that is you need to set a number of saying, all right, I'm not going to do more jumps than X, whatever that number is. So let's just call it for the sake of this argument, let's call it a hundred, right? So you may come in and whip off a hundred real fast. You're done. You're totally done, right? Tomorrow you're going to do a hundred again and they may suck, but don't do more than a hundred and like get in that pitch count. And then you can slowly start to build that up over time. Cause I often find like, if you go in and you do, if you're doing it in 15 minutes and you're having a good day now, instead of doing a hundred jumps, you're doing 500 jumps. Mm -hmm. And the next day you're wildly ineffective and you don't know why. Let me tell you why it's because you did 500 jumps the day before, yeah. <laughs> right? Like you need to build some sort of consistency so you can really understand where your flaws are. Cause the flaws are not often in the jumps it's in where your hands and your elbows are or your wrists. Um, yeah. And you need that consistency in the jumping to make that work. So I, you know, I tell most people pitch count, like just, you know, yeah, don't, I like that. you know, don't think about the time. I don't want to hear that. in one of your videos, Ben, without a royalty coming my way. Pitch count. Yeah. Um, speaking pitch. of videos, go watch all my double under videos. <laughs> if you haven't random dad, because uh, that's, that's like the, I mean, it's one of several movements. I really try to pride myself on coaching, but, uh, we got a lot, a lot, a lot of really, really good dub, double under content on YouTube specifically. So just go down that rabbit hole, type in wad prep double unders, watch them all. And I promise you, like, there's enough in there to really learn it. And then if you do need actual programming, like if you want to know the exact drills that I would suggest to do for those 15 minutes, we do have a double under course called Double Unders Unleashed. Um, and yeah. It's it's helped so many people. It's helped so so many people. In fact, um, um, John, I know you know Brent, like one of my head. He used to be like one of our head coaches, and now he's like 
head of product development. You met Brent before at the games, yeah, oh, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So Brent is like one of the graduates of Double Unders, like one of the original graduates of Double Unders Unleashed. And uh, yeah, I still remember when he got his first 20 unbroken. It was like the most aggressive fist pump I've ever seen in my entire life. And random dad, three, two, one, or whatever your screen name is. I hope that you, I hope that you send us a video to the scale and bail uh, IG account of you just, just crushing double unders this open. Well, the funny thing is that was the last point you, you made it earlier, but I was going to double down on it. Video yourself. Oh yeah. You really want, really want to get good at dubs. Like, you almost always, you don't even need a coach usually to figure out where your mistakes are. Like double unders sure. are interesting. You, you can do them. You can do them. And as you're doing them, you're like, I look great. This feels fantastic. <laughs> and then you watch the video and you're like, what is wrong with me? I'm jumping sideways and my right arm's over my head. <laughs> and like, you know, you're reinforcing like, all these. When did I start habits. spinning? What's going yeah. on? Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've, you know, cause I can do a lot of double unders and I can't tell you how many times I videoed them thinking, Oh man, I bet that looks awesome. And I go back and look and I'm like, man, that was horrific. <laughs> you know, flopping so, around like a fish. Yeah, exactly. And you know, if you can't identify those, you know, send them to us, we'll look at them for you. Um, you know, we just had Dave Newman on here not that long ago who owns our Spark gear. And that's one thing he loves to do is to help people, you know, see He's got a great living. kit too. I hung out yeah. with him in San Diego. Um, I have to text him, see if he got the Rona virus. Um, but he uh, has a great kit for like various uh, technique yep. issues. Um, I was actually, I recommended to someone today who messaged me on Instagram. I have so. that kit. It's awesome, dude. Yeah. It's awesome. It, all, it looks a bit like a torture device or some sort of sex kit, but, but if you use it for double hunters, I think it works really well. I use it for all of the above, Ben. And it's, <laughs> it's great. It's great for everything. Now, look, it's um, it is great to practice with timing and keeping your elbows in place, and and you know, really understanding what it should sound and feel like. But um, but yeah, I, you know, I think if you just you know take two or three things out of this and start practicing it, you know, it's double unders are, are fortunately and unfortunately one of those things that anybody can do it, but you have to put time in. It just takes time oh, yeah. and you can't rush it. You know, you can't go, well, I'll do 500 today and I'll be better by tomorrow. You're probably hurting yourself by doing that. So, yeah. Yep. All right. Well, we have a mid show sponsor to talk about that. You know, it's kind of a weird sponsorship because it, you know, Ben, when you brought this to me, I was like, this, you know, as much as I love having sponsors, um, it kind of hit home. It's different. Me. It's different than, than what a normal fitness podcast would, uh, would promote, but it's something that I'm, I know I'm really passionate about it. Um, because I think mental health, like mental health is something that a lot of people don't like to talk about. And it's also something that a lot of people aren't willing to admit that like they need help with. Um, so I know me personally, the, the last couple of years, man, moving back from Japan have been, have been, uh, tumultuous, uh, in a, in a multitude of ways, but I really had to lean in to like trying to get my mental health right. And uh, I think this sponsor can, can really help you out with that. So what, talk to me, what is it, John? Well, so the company's advocate, um, and, you know, A-D-V-E-K-I-T. And what I think is interesting for me is like, you know, finding an easier way to address, um, you know, if we want to call them mental health issues or just, you know, anything that, you know, maybe you're struggling with, 
you know, getting a solution to that is hard. Like it's hard enough dealing with it, but then you've got to deal with like, how do I find the right therapist? And yeah, where do you even start? Yeah. And it's so Are expensive. they covered in, with insurance? Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like, there's just like so many pain points that, that come with it. It just makes it really, really difficult. And, you know, I can only speak for myself, but I, you know, I've personally used therapists for years for a number of different things. And, you know, and I know it sounds weird saying that out loud, but it's, I don't think it's anything to be embarrassed about. And I think that's the kind of the beauty of advocate is that it helps you, um, you know, kind of get rid of that stigma and have a much easier journey to get someone to help you with the things you're working on, whatever those things may be, you know, um, you, from what I understand, like you just, like I was playing around on the website a couple of weeks ago and it's just awesome. Cause like you just fill out a little form. They give you three choices uh, to help. You know, they kind of narrow it down for you, like three choices that could potentially uh, be a good fit for you. And then also you get the best deal possible on the therapy, on the therapy, yep. which is fantastic. I guess it, uh, apparently the average savings are like 140 bucks, which is awesome um, because a lot of therapists don't work with insurance companies, but advocate is basically they, they help it work with your insurance company in a lot of instances. So, uh, and even, you know, I've been paying out of pocket for, for a long time now. I mean, it's been a couple of years. I pay out of pocket and I started with the stigma of like, I don't need therapy, but I got some stuff going on. I feel like I should talk to someone who has an outsider's perspective. Uh, and now I am like, it's funny. I actually just, I work to try to schedule two new, I'm looking for a new one and, you know, I'm going through advocate right now and it's, it's been a really good process. Um, so I'm anyway, if you're someone who struggles with mental health, which I feel like is pretty much everyone at some point in their life, or even if you're not struggling with mental health, like you you don't only go to the dentist, hopefully, when you have cavities and really, really bad issues. Hopefully you go um, even when your teeth are feeling clean because it helps you prevent further issues. And that's, that's the way I think mental health needs to be thought about uh, in a lot of instances. So anyway, I think in, in, in fitness specifically, it's something that not, it's like finally starting to get a little bit of like a little bit of traction. Like I remember Con Porter actually was like one of the bigger athletes that kind of came out a couple of years ago, just talking about mental health. Um, And it's good to see like, finally people are like trying to be less like macho about it. I don't need anything. I'm fine. It's more of like, no, like I don't care how hardcore you are like dealing with your past traumas and like actually understanding the way your brain works and how you deal with things. And a therapist can help you with that. Therapy is, is a tool for the strong, not the weak. Well, what's interesting for me, Ben, particularly, you know, kind of in this fitness space that we're in is that, you know, if you went to, you know, anyone that listens to the show or even us and said, you know, Hey, do you talk to someone about your nutrition? You'd be like, Oh yeah. I talk to somebody about nutrition. What do you talk to someone about, you know, how to fix double unders or lifting or like, yeah, you know, I take whatever. this seriously. Of course I do. Yeah, of course I do. And if you said, you know, Hey, do you talk to someone about what's going on in your mind? They're like, yeah, well, that's what the workouts are for. They're like that's usually the, what people think is like, well, I'll just go work out. And the things that are stressing me will go away. Cause this is a stress reliever. And why I think there is certainly truth that, you know, you can, you know, burn energy and release stress through workouts. It doesn't, it doesn't help you fix those things. Like I think of like Olympic lifting coaches I've had, you know, I didn't get better at Olympic lifting through one session. It took 
hundreds of sessions and I'm still not good at it. Yeah. Right? Geez, and, you've been through hundreds. I don't know, dude. Well, you know, and therapy is the same way. Like you, yeah. you have to, you know, give it time to work. And I think that's why this is such a, a good opportunity for people because uh, you know, it's easily accessible. I, I think it's one, you don't have to deal with kind of all the headaches and you know, it, it's not the same as, you know, it's like when you ask your coach at a gym for help, you don't feel weak in doing that. And this is the same thing. This shouldn't help Absolutely. make you feel weak. This is actually a step toward moving towards your goal, which is kind of the whole point of this episode, right? Like, you know, yeah. setting goals. Uh, um, and so I think for me, that's the big thing. So, yeah. you know, shout out to them. You know, you guys go visit them, check them out. They're advocate.com, A-D-V-E-K-I-T.com backslash scale and use the code scale 50 and they'll give you 50% off your first therapy session. And they're That's great. We, we've been uh, working with them for a couple of weeks now and they're really, really great. So yep. check them and remember out. it's, it's like, Hey, we're in this to get like, we want to become mentally and physically more fit. Yeah. Like mental toughness and stuff occurs in CrossFit and there is a bit of therapeutic into the, you know, exercise side of things. But like, this is just, if not even more important, I think a lot of times is like getting your mind right. So yeah, highly recommend it. It's something that's really close to my heart. And, you know, in future episodes, maybe we'll go over a little bit, dig a little deeper into that rabbit hole. But uh, for now, let's get back to some goal setting stuff. Just imagine all the people getting on a better mental and emotional journey from the meme guy, Ben. It's amazing. The irony of that. (laughs) The irony Literally, of that your, is really your memes, all they do is poke at people's emotional insecurities. <laughs> Yet here we are. It's like the old bait and switch. Hey, look, I think the beauty of memes is actually the opposite of that, is that it, it doesn't prey on those. No, it, it, it shows, oh, there's other people like me. Yeah, that's the that's the beauty of memes. You can talk about the most uncomfortable things on the planet in a way that makes people go, I'm not alone. Yeah. You know, that's, that's why I love a meme format. Cause you can talk about, I've made jokes about therapy before in there and people will raise hell. You shouldn't joke about therapy. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you know how many of us like struggle, like I've struggled with depression my whole life and I'm not ashamed of that. Like that's, yeah. you know, people are born that way. You don't just like decide you want to be depressed, you yeah. know? And so, you know, I think it's important to talk about that. I think that's why memes are so important because it allows people to start connecting with other people like them, you know, Mm -hmm. just fun for me anyway. All right, here we go. Let's do another one. This one is from Becky Zimmerman resolute English setters is her screen name. So I hope she likes dogs or she likes sitting. I don't know which, (laughs) uh, she, she goes, uh, hi guys hate the show. Uh, no, really huge fan. I stopped whatever else I'm listening to when your podcast hits. Well, that's nice. That's nice. Don't you think Ben? Wow. I, I hope what she's not listening to is like a spouse. That would be bad. <laughs> Ben's <laughs> talking. Scales up. Yeah. <laughs> Ben's talking. Shut, shut your mouth. Shut your be, mouth. Be, be quiet, honey. Ben is speaking now. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I say to people all the time. <laughs> no, no, no. Ben's talking. Be quiet. Okay. Uh, the, <laughs> the idea goals, uh, for next year came up at our gym this week too. And my initial thought is I would like to not get injured. That's a damn good goal. Now, some of that is beyond my control. i.e., fall off a box, but a lot of it is under my control as most of my injuries are due to overuse. I'm a master's athlete with some chronic issues. So I think this may be related to lack of recovery and mobility 
would you be able to help with a process-related goal for that? Thanks, guys. So when we're talking about recovery, I, I would tend to agree that oftentimes um, either training design or lack of recovery are potential reasons why nagging chronic injuries can pop up. And what I mean by that is training design would be overtraining, AKA you're following XYZ super duper masters program that likes to program four hour sessions <laughs> with, and I'm getting so angry. Just thinking about it. like some of these masters programs out there are like, what are you thinking? And people don't understand why they're not beat or why they feel beat up or like, the people who follow like, oh, I'll just follow Rich Froning's programming. I'll do exactly what Rich Froning does because I've won the CrossFit Games multiple times. Like, yeah, sure, fine. And they wonder why they're getting beat up. So um, I'm not saying yours is as drastic as that. And maybe you go to a great gym that does have great programming. But a lot of times um, volume mitigation isn't on people's radar. So people will tend to think more is more. Like, I'm going to get better. I'm going to do more stuff. When a lot of times... Like it could be as simple as like taking one day out of your training schedule. And I know that sounds like blasphemy, but as a master's athlete, an aging master's athlete, like that's sometimes what we recommend for people or, or tremendously scaling down the third workout of your week. Like the way that we'd write our programming is it's like Monday's a big day. Tuesday's a little bit less. Wednesday's kind of chill. Thursday is a rest day. And then Friday's a little bit harder. Saturday's, you know, medium, you know, and we think that training design should ebb and flow with like the, that wear and tear that you're putting on your body. So that'd be the first thing I'd pay attention to. And then where I think the process goal comes into play is point number two, which is like lack of recovery, lack of recovery, or, or I'll take away the negative recovery happens outside of the gym it does not happen in the gym. Yes. You can do things in the gym. You can, you know, do light aerobic work and you can stretch and you can do whatever you think is recovery, but recovery truly happens outside of the gym when you're resting. So I think that if I were you without knowing your sleep habits, as it stands right now, making some sort of process goal that revolves around getting an adequate amount of sleep every night. Even if you don't fall asleep, you can't necessarily control that, but say, I'm going to be in bed with electronics off and allow myself eight hours of unbroken sleep. Like that, that could be part of a process goal where it's like, I'm going to aim for that four days per week where I have eight unbroken, undisturbed hours of sleep. And just control what you can control. And if you make that part of your process goal, I know a lot of people listening are like, oh, yeah, I guess I don't do that. Um, and there's no way I'd be able to sleep that long. I don't care. Like, I'm not saying you have to control how much you sleep. Just give yourself, give your body the ability to let it happen if it wants to. Give yourself those eight hours of uninterrupted rest. And if you make that part of a process goal, I wouldn't be surprised that if we look at increased sleep hours or at least increased dedication to trying to sleep to more hours, 
your recovery will increase and thus injury occurrence could potentially go down. Um, I know for like my buddy, Derek, and I've talked about this a lot. We track a lot of our sleep on various wearable techs and I wear um, at only at night, I wear my aura ring um, and I slip track my sleep. There's like a direct correlation for us and like tweaks and injuries and sickness. If we have several days of really bad sleep where we're like not prioritizing it, we get sick or we'll, we'll tweak something or, you know, mess something up in a workout and be like, oh man, my neck really hurts these days. But if we're drastically prioritizing sleep, it's incredible how good we feel. Um, so those are the, that's how, that's where I would look at this, um, without knowing all of your habits and stuff like that. That's where I would focus the process goal, uh, would be focusing on sleeping more, or you could potentially create a process goal around like, um, I will take one full blown rest day per week or, you know, or it should probably be two, but two full blown rest days per week. Um, that could be a process goal as well. All right. I'm going to talk to her like a real master's athlete because Ben is like 12 years old to me. Um, <laughs> so step aside, uh, child. Yeah. Step aside, child. Let me tell you how the, us old people do this, Ben. Um, I'm a big fan of data to start. I think particularly if you're setting, if your, your goal is, hey, I don't want to get hurt. Like, I think you need to look at all the variables that could be affecting that. And the nice part about fitness now, different than 10 years ago, when we literally just had CrossFit boxes and we're all wearing Converse, is that you have a lot of data you can pull from, um, whether that's a wearable or even just apps that you can use to track the workouts you're doing. Um, I'm a big fan of wearables these days. Um, I wear Whoop Band as it stands right now, but you can get kind of the same data from the Aura Ring or an Apple iWatch or, you know, or Apple it's Watch. Called, or, it's just called an Apple Watch. Just Apple Watch. You or, showed your age there. Yep. Or uh, one of these eye devices. Well, but any of the watches for that matter, the Samsung yeah. watch will do the same thing. Like Garmin, you know, Fitbit. Yeah, you got it. They'll almost all get you the same data. Um, but I think it's important to, to start tracking this stuff and start getting some of that off of your list. And to Ben's point, you, you know, the big one you can really start tracking is sleep. Um, that's a really, really big thing to start figuring out. Am I sleeping as much as I think I am? And you'll probably be shocked early on if you're not already tracking that at how little you sleep versus what you thought you were sleeping. Oh yeah. I know I was, and it, it's, it's truly been a game changer for me. I'm not sleeping a ton more now than I was, but I am sleeping more and I am, it is affecting, like it is helping me quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, so that's the first thing to do is start really get into the data, store your workout, store, um, you know, sleep recovery, all of that. Um, I would also start with looking at how many rest days you're getting. Um, I think that's a real issue for people when it comes to, you know, overuse is, you know, it's kind of like the pitch count I mentioned with the earlier guy, oh, yeah. like it's the same thing. Like, even if you feel great, some days you have to go, you know what, today's my rest day. I'm going to, I'm going to honor it because I want to be at my best tomorrow. And so I think that's one thing you have to look at is maybe you have to, you know, start baking in one day that I will not break this rest day. Um, and then the other, the only other two things I look at, you know, from a data and just, you know, what's impacting it is the volume of work, which is why you're tracking all that data. Like, you know, you could say, all right, I'm only working out five days a week, but there is a difference between doing five workouts that 
or a full hour in length and there are hard hour and, you know, five workouts that are all 20 minutes each. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference in that volume of work. And so I think you, know, you have to look back and see, you know, was I training intensity or strength or, you know, how much weight did I move? There's a lot in between there, way too much to go into in this one podcast, but yeah. The but gym think- that the like gym that I, I just want to like, before I forget about this, like, I think that point right there is such a big difference. Like the difference between going to a gym um, that follows some XYZ competitors program and tries to modify it for themselves and squeezes as much work as they possibly can in an hour. The difference between that going to that gym five days per week versus going to, let's say like Vantage, the, the gym that I've had a membership about for a long time. Um, Vantage, you could go there five days per week and, you know, there's, it's the volume. It's not that much volume. In fact, like for me, sometimes I'm like, oh man, I wish, wish we had a little bit more volume and didn't spend right. as much time warming up. We spend like 40 minutes warming up sometimes. And I'm like, I want to work out now. However, from a longevity standpoint and from a let's train five to six days per week standpoint, gym's perfect for most people, especially if they don't have like super high level competitive backgrounds. It's like they can go, they know they're, they're being taken care of by the programming and they know they're warming up enough. And five sessions per week there is like, oh yeah, that's a solid amount of volume. When five sessions per week at some of the bigger competitive gyms, you're like, holy crap, that's a ton of work. So I think it's really important. So I wanted to, that was a good point. Yeah. Well, and I think when you look at this volume, it's the reason why it's important to track. I'll give you a real personal example. So I've done six assault bike workouts from this beta test for assault I'm doing. I've done six days in a row of assault bike workouts and by no means do I feel wrecked right now. And here's why they are all low impact. They're all on a bike. There's no jumping. There's no running. There's no heavy lifting. There's no barbell. There's no pull-ups, no kipping, right? Like all the things that tend to really hurt a master's body are not included in these workouts. Mm-hmm. So if I were doing this for the long term, I could probably work out six days a week really hard on that assault bike because it's low impact mm-hmm. and it's not putting the same, you know, kind of, uh, you know, it's not breaking my body down in the same manner that a CrossFit workout does. Mm-hmm. And so I think you have to look back and say, all right, uh, you know, if four of my six days were heavy barbell work and running, that's far different than, you know, four or five days of running and, and, you know, or, or assault bike and swimming things that are maybe lower impact on your body. So, you know, collecting the data, I think is important. And then last, uh, nutrition, it should go without, it shouldn't go without saying like, you know, it, it doesn't always feel like nutrition impacts injury, but it absolutely can impact your injury. Um, you know, particularly when you're looking at, you know, inflammation is a good example of something that could hurt you. So, you know, whether you work with a nutritionist or not, that's up to you. But, you know, I think collecting that data and storing it and really looking at what did I have before this workout? What did I have after? And looking at it in a longer lens than just today's workout and tomorrow's workout. You have to look at it over a few weeks, months, you know, yeah. sometimes even years to really understand how it's impacting you and, and, uh, you know, talk to a professional cause I'm not a nutritionist by any stretch of the imagination. I've, I've had Hershey's kisses all night tonight. So don't talk yeah, to me. And I think a, a big point there too, I mean, without knowing her nutrition goals, there's a, a lot of people who 
a lot of people in CrossFit or really any gym for that matter, they're trying to lose weight. And if they're doing it right, that means that you're in a calorie deficit. But the issue is that caloric deficit, um, extreme caloric deficit can lend itself to more injuries because you're reducing your body's ability to recover as well. So it's like this really fine line of like, if you're like in a calorie deficit and you feel like crap and you keep getting banged up, it could be because you're in a calorie deficit, which is what you need to lose the weight, but you might need to reduce the intensity of the training. Um, so yeah, that's a very interesting point. All right. Last question for the night. This is an interesting one. I liked this one. I saved this one from last week. I was going to read this last week, but I didn't get to it. So this is from uh, Jeremy Cooper Jez. This is uh, screen name. It says, terrible podcast, one of the worst out there. Thanks, Jeremy. Yes, thank you. About time. Yes, says I binge 15 episodes in a week. Love the content. Love the idea of bringing listeners on. Uh, my question is, I ha- he actually just signed up for his first Paris competition. So his first team wide or first team comp. So that's exciting. And it says his question is, he's relatively new, six months in. And, or, and uh, his question is, he's got so many things I'm not good at. Uh, as an example, double unders, anything that's kipping, snatching, or anything overhead. How do you decide on what to focus on first? Uh, he said he knows the competition is scaled and nothing complex, but he's very competitive and he chases too many improvements at the same time. So he's got a lot of things he needs to work on. It's kind of the point. Like, how do you, how do you know where to start? Well, believe it or not, we have a video on this. <laughs> you know it, dude. You know uh, it's coming. Of course you do. Um, and I was actually, I'm curious to, to see which, because um, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this and I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Um, but if I had to like make a hierarchy, you're going into a competition. So let's just say like your goal is to be able to do the movements in the competition. I don't, did he say if it's scaled or RX? Um, I don't know. Hold on. I can tell you real quick. So you, you should be able to, if you, if you register for a competition, yes, you should be scaled. able to it scaled. Is scaled. Yes. Okay. So you should be able to ask the event organizer, what are the minimum requirements? My guess is scale competition. You probably won't have to do double unders. There's going to be a minimum requirement for um, a weight of an overhead squat, a weight of a snatch, a weight of a clean, a weight of a front squat, like all depending on what movements they're going to have in there. Right. So like they'll say you should have a working weight of 95 pounds for thrusters. Okay. Um, I think what you need to do is look at that standards list that they come back with. And that immediately sets your, your, I guess, goal setting framework for like, all right, I need to, here are the things that I want to get better at and I need to learn. Right. And then from there, I would start and go from simplest to most complex. For instance, let's say a full snatch or what some would call a squat snatch that like trying to build up to the weight that you need for that is going to be less easy. And it's going to be more, it's just going to be more complex and potentially more difficult than let's say building up a heavy enough weight for the overhead squat. Maybe you need to overhead squat 95 pounds and you can only do 65. Well, there you go. Like some technique work, Overhead squat isn't really a strength thing. It's more of just a, a mobility and a positioning thing and just being being comfortable under that tension. 
you can probably spend a couple times just working on overhead squats and holding various positions, spend some time in the bottom, and voila, you're going to be more comfortable with that heavier barbell. So I would tend to err on the side of simpler movements first, and then as you pick them up, they are the building blocks that create the next movement. So case in point in this example is overhead squat. The overhead squat is a building block to the full snatch. Okay. A deadlift and a front squat are the building blocks of a full clean. So I would start with what are the, what are like the bottom of the pyramid building blocks that you need to start getting decent at with the working weight and then slowly but surely stack that pyramid. Don't go for the little cool thing on top, which is butterfly chest of our pull-ups and muscle-ups and and triple unders, like don't go for those if you don't have the basics yet. So start with the building blocks, start with the movements that create other movements and then get those and then move on from there. So you're basically, I mean, if you go back to the level one, um, kind of the nine foundational movements tend to be really good. So like strict press, deadlift, push press, front squat, you know, like things like that are all going to be really, really important. Uh, and then increase complexity as you um, dial in the less complex movements. That would be you, my. You know what I love about our relationship, Ben, is that you're a real coach and you think like a real coach. You you think in the best intentions of the athlete and you want to give them good sound advice. And I'm just sitting here going, I just want to tell this guy what the real world's like and uh, how this is going to go down. So I'm going to give him the real world advice. Bro, you just signed up for a comp six months in. You're about to get your ass kicked. And let me tell you why. Let <laughs> me tell you it. why. Yes, enjoy it. And let me tell you why. It's a local comp. There's going to be a lot of people in the scaled division in a local comp that should be RX. So they are going to destroy you. They've been doing this for years. <laughs> they love to stand on the podium. They live for it. They're going to destroy you. So if you have any illusions of going in, into this thing with anything other than getting destroyed, you're not going to have fun. So go have a good time. Don't worry so much about what you can and can't do six months in doing a, a pair of divisions. Kudos to you for be willing to do it. You're going to get your ass kicked. Okay. Yeah. Um, but here's what I would tell you to focus on moving forward. So when you do these again, uh, they won't be a big deal. And I think we've talked about this a lot. I don't think you'll disagree with me, Ben. Uh, focus on strict strength over kipping. That's yep. my number one thing for almost anyone starting CrossFit or kind of newish, like focus on your strict movements, not kipping movements. Number two is focus on form over strength, meaning, you know, range of motion, uh, getting the movements right. So go light early on. So an example of that would be snatching like it, you know, the ego wants to snatch a lot of weight, like get the movement down. <laughs> you'll be able to snatch more weight later and get it right. Um, and then the third one is don't compare your score to everyone else. Like just track what you're doing and measure yourself against yourself. That's really critically important because it's really easy in uh, CrossFit gyms, whether you want to call it the sport of fitness or just your day-to-day -day training to go, Oh, that's my buddy. I should be able to do what they do. And that's not true at all. You yeah. should only be looking at improving yourself, even if it's just 1% a day, which, you know, is a, a lot over time. And so tracking what you're doing and, and comparing yourself against yourself is really, really important. Um, 
And, you know, I know I said it was going to be three things, but I'm going to repeat it again. Go have fun, man. Like go hit Mm -hmm. this competition, have a good time. You know, if you win, you can DM me and tell me I'm an idiot, but um, you know, I think actually you know, I would just DM him and tell him that anyway. Yeah, exactly. If you win, I better get a podium pick and it better be for real. Um, but, um, but you know, go have a good time. That's what yeah. these comps are for. They're local comps. This is not the CrossFit games. Like just yeah. go have a good time. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Have fun. That's primary because the bottom line is like these local comps. A lot of times I see, they just like, some people get too wrapped up in them, but for the majority, it just like lights a fire under you and you have so much fun. You go grab some beer and pizza afterwards with your friends and you're just like, you know, of course, what a crossfitters do when they're together. They just talk about crossfit. Oh, that part of the wide. Oh, my God. Right. You know, and it's it's great. It's great. I was able to look up the video. It's called CrossFit Beginners Top Five Movements to Learn. It's actually, I think, our most popular video other than the open videos of uh, 2021. So apparently other people have that question. I'm pretty sure if I said to you, Oh man, I had, I had a horrible meal yesterday and now I'm constipated. You'll be like, you know what? We have wide preps, top five constipation tips. I have a video for that. For 2022. It's going to be great. I'm going to add that to the list. Make sure we cover that basis. <laughs> talk, talk to your team about that. Hey guys, that is a great idea. We're going to come up with a constipation video. Step one, push really hard. All right. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Thanks for ruining the podcast, John. Just I just saw we just lost ten subscribers. It is not the first time I've made that mistake. So, <laughs> all right, dude. Well, what are your plans for before we go? I know this is before Christmas, even though it's coming after Christmas. What are your plans for Christmas Day? What are you doing? So, I luckily I've recovered, and uh, you know, assuming I don't have any uh, change of symptoms here, and and I'm uh, according to the CDC guidelines, don't have a medicated um, fever. I'll be flying home on Christmas Eve to Maryland. And then unfortunately, it seems like all of our holiday parties are being canceled. Um, you know, obviously family's trying yeah. to stay safe. So I will be playing copious amounts of pickleball with my family. And then for the days where it's too windy or too cold, both very common occurrences in Maryland, more common than even Denver, um, we got my dad, don't tell anyone, even though it's after Christmas and he's already received it. Right. Uh, but we got my dad a pool table top ping pong um, court, I guess. Ping pong table is what I'm trying yes. to say. So we're going to be doing that uh, because now we're pickleballers. So we're like, yeah, let's play some ping pong. So that's going to be fun. We'll probably have some heated tournaments watching Ravens football and oh my gosh, eating mom's snickerdoodles. Uh, I'll probably have at least three pounds of snickerdoodles by the nice. time it's all said and done. Very so, nice. Well, and I'll I be, probably will be dropping into a Maryland gym or two, hopefully. hopefully. Will you? All right. Yeah. Look at you. Well, I'll be in Mississippi visiting O'Roy and my mom and uh, both my sisters will be there and their families. Uh, it's going to be a small family gathering. I don't have a big family, so we'll all be together. I don't think nice. I'm going to drop into gyms this time. Not that I'm particularly worried about getting sick, but man, my workforce is getting devastated here in Ohio. I've got 20% of my employees out. And, uh, so I probably will lay off the gyms mostly because I don't want to risk getting it and coming back and, and right. That that could screw things over. I'm just going to ride that immunity hard, man. Are you? Yeah. Well, you're, you're in the cycle right now. I'm going to be high fiving people hugging them, you know, (laughs) but, uh, I'm excited to get some time with my girls. No bass fishing. No, no, we won't do any fishing. Well, you know, it's, you know, it'll be 
December, January. So it's still yeah, cold. Boy, but it's down south, up. man, they eat they eat that time of year. So yeah, it'll likely be warm. I mean, look, we won't do any of that. We're just gonna spend some family time. You know, this is the best time of year for me. It's a 12 hour drive and we drive it every time. And uh, Are there any, tra- any traditions on the drive? Just enjoying time with the girls. Okay. You know, the two daughters. We we just kind of do whatever we want to do. This will be the first time we're driving on Christmas Day, so that'll mm-hmm. be different. But um it's just fun, dude. They're just fun to hang out with. And and how and, about your favorite, any favorite Christmas? Like I already talked about the snickerdoodles, but uh, any specific treat or like, I don't know, is there any, any anything you're going to eat that you are like very much like this is the time of year oh. I eat this one thing? Yeah. Well, okay. Well, like when we go to the South, uh, my mom has sweet tea all the time. So you could just, you could absolutely just leave on a sweet tea high if you wanted to. And it's like real Southern sweet tea. It's like just pounds of sugar is so good. Right. You're like, how does it even keep dissolving into the liquid? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But my dad is this ridiculously good cook for breakfast. And so we get up every morning, he makes biscuits, eggs, gravy, hash browns, eggs, uh, bacon, sausage. I mean, you name it, you just be a table full of food. He loves to cook breakfast and he's so good at it. And, uh, it's that for us, that's the ritual. It's like, what's breakfast going to look like? And, uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to some biscuits and eggs and some bacon. That's I'm so hungry now. I regret only having one can bar and a smoothie. I'm going to go get so much food after we hang up this call. I'm so excited, <laughs> bro. I would love to take you to Mississippi, not only for the breakfast, but so you go bass fishing with O'Roy. You and him would hit it off. Oh man, I'm in. He's a. I already know he throws crankbaits. Like we're in. Yeah. We're 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 kindred spirits. Yeah, he's. he's we got to make it happen someday soon. All right, we'll make it happen. We'll make All that right. happen. All right, we'll do. This has been fun. Have a merry Christmas. Travel safe. Uh, give love to your family and uh, enjoy that immunity. Yeah, we'll we'll hopefully do. <laughs> so hopefully, rest- all the people in my house don't get it. That would be a bummer. Because yeah, we're your immune. So what do you care? So you're yeah, good. I just want to play. Yeah, we'll have fun. There you all go. Right. All right. And Merry Christmas to everyone listening, and uh, and I guess the next episode will be around New Year's. So happy yeah. New Year. Yep. We hope you had a great holiday, and we will catch up with you next Tuesday. Take care.